Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee Brewers by Peter and David Go. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, Peter, here today. David, first episode, it feels like, of the offseason. I know we had an episode after uh, after the Brewers were sadly eliminated from the playoffs, but it feels like this is our first offseason episode. They just feel a little bit different. Obviously, we don't have the weekly recaps to do, um, and perhaps we'll get on a little bit as far as what the Brewers 2022 team might look like, payroll, all of those things, but definitely has a little bit of a different feeling as we enter today's podcast. It does. It is kind of kind of difficult to watch the other teams having fun in October. Of course, Braves, Astros, World Series. Uh, we're recording this as Game Six is being played, so uh, we'll find out if, if tonight is the last night of the 2021 Major League Baseball season. Um, and it, it will be kind of interesting uh, to see what happens because over the next week, we I think we'll see the the options for Avisail Garcia and Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, and we'll talk about those a little bit more later on in the episode, but heading towards the offseason, potentially a quiet offseason uh, with the uh, upcoming collective bargaining agreement, um, probably disputes and uh, a little bit of um, bad blood between the players and the owners. Uh, so it could be a slow offseason, but we are headed that way towards the offseason with the season rapidly uh, wrapping up, I guess, uh, with the World Series concluding either today or tomorrow already. Yeah, it is. it is crazy. And in some ways, it felt like a long season, but also a quick one, and obviously ended very, very quickly um, in just that four-game series. So, as we get before we jump into today's podcast, today we'll be covering our grades for pitchers, which will be interesting because we've got, of course, the big arms: Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, or as David likes to call them, the big three. Um, then we've also got, of course, Josh Hader, Devin Williams, among others. So we'll be breaking down pitching grades uh, for the Brewers staff as well as taking a look at the team grades and Brewers awards today. So, David, before we jump into all that, what is today's trivia question? Today's trivia question has to do with the 2021 Brewers pitcher, John Axford, uh, who, of course, pitched for the Brewers a long time ago, uh, pitched in most notably 2011, a little bit before that and a little bit after as well. So today's question is, how many Brewers pitchers have elapsed more time between their first and last Brewers appearances than John Axford? So just pitchers. Uh, and this would be uh, just time between the first and last appearance. So they, they could have pitched their entire uh, tenure during that time with the Brewers, or they could have gone all over. Uh, just the amount of time that would have elapsed in Brewers history. And you don't need to give me a name or a couple names or whatever, just the amount, the number of pitchers that, that would have been the case for. And how many, uh, how, or how long was the time elapsed, even if it's just roughly... Uh, from Axford, was it 2012 to 2021? Uh, 2009 to 2021 for his, his first Brewers appearance and his last Brewers appearance, uh, assuming that what we saw on the mound was the last we'd see of John Axford in a Brewers uniform. Uh, so 12 years um, is is what Axford uh, did, uh, or, or the, the time that elapsed between Axford's first and last appearances. Got it. And so does that also then include pitchers who pitch for the Brewers for more than 12 years? Uh, it does, um, and it, it could be pitchers who pitched for exactly 12 years, I guess, um, as well, since Axford was a late-season call-up. Um, so a, a lot of technicalities, I feel like, with this question, <laughs> but um, I think you generally understand what the, the spirit of the question is um, in, in light of Axford's surprising return to the Brewers, even though it was only uh, two-thirds of an inning in length uh, for the return. We also have a random player of the day today, uh, not very random major leaguer, um, and, and not even someone that we forget about in Brewers lore, but it is the great CC Sabathia who pitched um, just 130 innings with the Brewers. And when I say just, he made the most of that over his uh, about three months with the team, uh, where he, he put the team on his back, seven complete games and 17 starts with the Brewers. Uh, I'm sure that will not be matched again. Three shutouts, both led the National League, and he was only in the league for a half year. He actually led both the American League and the National League in shutouts that year separately uh, with, with two shutouts in the AL. Um, so that has to be one of one of the more uh, more impressive stats over the course of the last couple decades, um, and especially with C.T. Sabathia. Uh, 165 ERA, 11-2 uh, in his starts with the Brewers. 
Uh, he was going, I think his last four starts were on three days rest, something like that. And that was heading into a free agent year. Um, so extremely impressive and gutsy to put the team on his back like that. He released an autobiography a couple months ago. I just read uh, read it called Till the End. A, a pretty, pretty interesting look inside not only his career on the baseball field, but also some of the struggles he had uh, primarily with substance abuse, um, dealt with uh, alcohol issues for much of his career until he was finally able to overcome them um, late in his career. Uh, so it was, a, it was a good story. And he talked about how when he was traded, actually, Doug Melvin uh, had told him that uh, he could take his time getting to Milwaukee if he wanted. I think he was traded on a Monday. And Doug Melvin said, if you want, you can basically skip your next start, which would have been on Tuesday. Just meet us and start on Sunday. And CC said, no, I'm starting tomorrow. I'm starting on Tuesday. Uh, he was kind of kind of bitter that the Indians had traded him. So he wanted to show them that, that they were wrong and that they had made the wrong move. And I guess you could say he did that. Uh, he he certainly showed the Indians that um, that he was I mean, maybe the best pitcher in baseball over that stretch. Uh, so he did do that. And uh, he also mentioned that late down the stretch, Ben Sheets, who had started in the All-Star game that year, got injured. Uh, and kind of a nagging injury. Doctors told him he could blow out his elbow any time if he continued to pitch on his elbow. But this was late September. Sheets had never been to the playoffs. The Brewers hadn't in... 26 years she said I don't care I'm just gonna pitch goes out and throws a complete game shutout that day and then two stars later blows out his elbow and kind of led to the quick downfall of sheets he was uh, never the same pitcher after that uh, and certainly would have to think that probably contributed to it uh, so CC Sabathia today's random player of the day anything to chime in on uh, any of your memories of CC in Milwaukee no those were great anecdotes definitely think back Right away, for some reason, the uh, the one hitter uh, over in Pittsburgh came to mind. I can still picture that play, that game. Of course, that infield single that they ruled a hit um, really should have been an error on CeCe. Uh, could have been the Brewers' second no-hitter. Uh, of course, we saw that this year. Um, and then just, of course, uh, talk about carrying a team on, on, on your back. I, I don't know a better picture of that than what he did in Milwaukee. And it, for, he'll forever be loved by Milwaukee for that half season. And I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again going forward, like you said. And and even you mentioned leading the National League and American League in shutouts. I don't know if that's a, a stat that I don't even know how you'd figure that out. But I w would be curious to know if there's ever anybody else who did that in baseball history. I, I can be very confident in saying it will not ever happen again in the future. Whether that happened in the past, I'm not sure. Well, but it, certainly... could, it could happen because somebody could lead the league with like one shutout. That's true. I guess. True. They were if we uh, see like Adam Wainwright traded midseason or something fair but, or Scherzer. Uh, it yeah. still is extremely impressive, especially given uh, the circumstances and and just how well he pitched with the Brewers. Um, definitely some fond memories of uh, when both of us were a lot younger. Um, and and CC even mentioned that his teammate in New York, a guy by the name of Ben Heller, who's a Milwaukee native uh, and played with CC towards the end of his career, told him he remembered going to one of the starts down the stretch in September and watching him and that was when he was in high school cc said that's that's when i knew i should retire <laughs> um I, yeah. I i can recall announcing cc for uh what was that eight august of 2008 correct yeah yeah uh, junior yeah announcer. junior announcing for for sabathia so yeah good times jason kendall uh mike cameron and, and cc good times back in 08 um as we reminisce with cc sabathia so great random player of the day today i'd recommend taking taking a look at his autobiography as well and as we move on, move on to another um, spectacular season on the mound for the Brewers, Corbin Burns. Let's just start there, David. Uh, I got a big question mark here, but what is your grade for Corbin Burns? Yeah, so just want to refresh as we get started on how the players are graded. If you either didn't catch the last episode yet or just want a refresher. Uh, so we are giving the grades uh, between, I guess, A plus through F. Uh, and those are based on partly their performance this year, but also based on the expectations they had. Uh, so... Someone like, I mean, if you take like Yelich versus Jace Peterson, maybe they had similar uh, numbers at the plate. Uh, but of course, you expect much better things out of Yelich than Jace Peterson. So someone like Peterson uh, would have a higher grade. So that's factored into account also. Uh, so just uh, wanted to preface with that um, before we get started with Corbin Burns, who uh, he, for me, is the only A-plus that we had. Uh, he, I mean, other than maybe contract covid really couldn't have done anything um, differently that would have had him have a better year. Maybe 
uh, try to not allow 47 mile an hour off the bat singles uh, would be another area of improvement for Corbin Burns. But overall, not really sure what else he could have improved upon for his season. So I'm giving Burns an A+. Yeah, not much debate there. I think that's uh, no question. Corbin Burns, who was the best starter for the Brewers this year. Of course, Woodruff getting that opening day nod and who was the true number one. That was essentially, I think, the the, the crown was taken off of Woodruff and placed on Burns when he got that game one start uh, against Atlanta. And I expect to see that in 2022 as well. For opening day, I would expect no other pitcher and well-deserved Corbin Burns to be that opening day starter. Crazy to think about where he was just a couple of years ago. I remember our conversations about what, what we could expect from Burns, and I know you were still very much high on Burns. I think I had given up hope at that point, but it was an incredible season to watch. Hopefully we see a, a similar uh, level of success from him next year, and the Brewers will certainly be counting on a big year from the Brewers' top-of-the-rotation guy in Corbin Burns. And I know we, we tend to look down a little bit on Brandon Woodruff's season because of the success that Corbin Burns had. Uh, you think about what, what the season would have been or would have meant for the Brewers had Burns not pitched so well. Brandon Woodruff, he was, he was the steady guy, um, kind of your steady workhorse ace, old-school ace, a lot of fastballs, but a very solid season from Brandon Woodruff as well. David, what was your grade for Woody? Um, I gave Woodruff an A. Um, he was a little bit more prone to the long ball, uh, and as a result, his numbers were a little bit worse. I mean, it's hard to compare someone to Burns when uh, you could make the case that Burns had inning for inning one of the best seasons in uh, modern baseball history. But uh, Woodruff, I would say, didn't got an A. Pretty much, pretty much did everything that you could have expected. Had uh, it seemed like an, a, a kind of a run of shaky starts in the middle of the year. Um, and, and allowed a couple home runs in his one playoff start against Atlanta. But overall, was still excellent. I'm giving Brandon Woodruff an A. I agree. I, I'd go with an A as well. Funny to see the 9-10 and 10 record from Brandon Woodruff in a year that he had a 2.56 ERA across almost 180 innings. Uh, outstanding season. I mean, let's take a look and just even appreciate the season that he had. Think back over the last 10 years, the single season that we've seen from the top Brewers pitchers, which uh, had, there's been has been lacking at times, but even think about compare his season of 2021 to the last 10 seasons of any Brewer starters. Where we, I, I'm not asking you to, to to actually slate where this would stack up, but you think about Gallardo, Sheets, Grinky, um, some of those guys. Where would you even say this his season stacks up against some of the other better Brewers seasons? It's probably second to Corbin Burns this year. I really can't think of anyone who had a better season than him. Um, even if you go take all, like all of franchise history, he's probably top five, uh, maybe fourth or fifth. So, yeah, I mean, we're looking at still one of the great pitching performances in, uh, in Brewers history. And uh, perhaps that's why we were talking about this last time, remembering Tom Hodricourt's grades always being so harsh. Maybe it was because he was always grading Braden Looper and Jeff Supon and Matt Garza in their uh, five and a half ERAs. Maybe that's why. Uh, but but Brandon Woodruff had an excellent year. It is really um, one of the the great young star pitchers, I would say, of uh, of baseball today. Yeah, and I think you could, like you said, make the case that really Brandon Woodruff had an A plus season. I think the expectations were certainly higher than Burns, and maybe that's why um, you could make the case for Burns an A plus and Woodruff an A. But I think you could just as easily give Brandon Woodruff an A plus. Uh, let's move on to the Brewers number three, Freddie Peralta, who could be an ace on most teams. Uh, of course, a great year from Freddie as well. What was your grade for Freddie Peralta? I'm giving Peralta an A as well. Expectations were much lower for uh, for Freddie than for Woodruff or Burns, for that matter, going into the year. Um, or maybe expectations outside of me, who, uh, by the way, said he would be an all-star starter this year. Uh, I like to bring that up at any point that I or any opportunity that I get. Uh, but he had a he had a phenomenal year. Slowed down a little bit towards the end. Uh, but still at a 2.81 ERA across 144 innings, uh, really did an outstanding job. He uh, had one of, if not the lowest, hits per nine rate uh, among any pitcher, and I think all of his starts except for one, maybe, uh, he allowed fewer hits than strikeouts he had. So uh, some excellent numbers for Freddie Peralta for someone who had never had a, uh, an extended amount of success in the starting rotation. But someone who really took a huge step forward this year, 
uh, and was excellent for the Brewers. I'm giving Freddie Peralta an A. Yeah, you talked about a top five season from Brandon Woodruff. I think you can make the case. Uh, Peralta didn't quite have the innings, but you could also make the case for Peralta being a top 10, at least, um, single season from any Brewer starter in history. And he's the number three guy starting in game three of a playoff series, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Um, like you said, good ERA, um, just a hair under 150 innings pitched from him. And like you said, just really didn't give up a lot of hits. 5.2 hits per nine um, and 12.2 strikeouts per nine. So excellent underlying stats from Freddie Peralta. I Again, I, I was uh, impatient apparently on Freddie in the rotation. I'd given up hope on that uh, long ago, but certainly proved wrong this year by Freddie's excellent season. Again, continuing to move on to the Brewers' strong rotation, the left-hander Eric Lauer. Uh, you think back to that Brewers-Padres trade. Of course, Brewers sending Trent Grisham and Zach Davies over to San Diego uh, for Lauer and Urias. Looking like about as worse of a trade as you could come up with um, after the 2020 season. Of course, Grisham was excellent. Davies was pretty solid, essentially, or excuse me, eventually got traded to Chicago for Darvish, and then Urias and Lauer, both very, very rough 2020 seasons. Uh, much the opposite this year, Lauer and Urias uh, turning into average, above average, really, every day's um, for the Brewers, and then Grisham and Davies uh, a little bit falling off. So Stearns continues to be proven correct. Uh, we'll see what happens next year, but I think we can be very confident about both Urias and Eric Lauer. What do you have to say about Eric Lauer's 2021 season, and what grade would you give the left-hander? Lauer, an excellent year. There were lower expectations for him as well. I expected him to make at least some sort of a bounce-back campaign. Uh, he only got, what, like seven innings last year, and seemed like he never really got things going. Had COVID at the start of the year, and so kind of tough set of circumstances for him. But he really turned it around this year at a 3.19 ERA across 118 and two-thirds innings. I'm giving Eric Lauer an A- minus because nobody expected him to be, I would say, he pitched like a, a three-starter three, three starter when he was up in the majors. Um, and the work that he did, um, well, it wasn't frontline stuff uh, like some of the other guys. He was still excellent, and I think he deserves an A- minus and deserves a lot of credit for the work that he did in the Brewers starting rotation. Yeah, I, I would even give Lauer an A, I think, based on expectations. Again, he had that, a, a very small sample size last year, um, but bounced back this year tremendously. 3.19 ERA from him across 118 innings. Uh, was able to just be a pretty solid, dependable back-end guy for the Brewers, like you said. Um, you could count on him to give, oftentimes, five, six innings. Um, kept the hits and strikeouts down, or hits and walks down as well. Um, I, like I said, I would go as far as to give Eric Lauer an A, and I, I'm not sure I would consider him a number three or number four either with a 3.19 ERA. Maybe the underlying stats weren't quite there, but regardless, I, I'm very, very much confident with the Brewers entering the next year with Lauer in that number four spot. And finally, another uh, surprisingly good year um, from Adrian Hauser. What was your grade for Hauser? You have Hauser a B plus. He had an he had a really good year. Uh, of his underlying numbers, the uh, the modern you know, strikeout to walk rates uh, were were not as good. But he's got that really good sinker, uh, the hard sinker that he uses to induce a lot of ground balls, and uh, that was kind of at dis uh, on display. I would say at its peak in that complete game shutout that he threw. Um, which, by the way, he had a complete game shutout. Neither Woodruff or Burns threw a complete game, I was noticing when we were looking at the stats. Um, but Hauser did an excellent job. And, you know, who he kind of reminded me of was a lower-volume 1982 Pete Vukovic, who, by the way, won the Cy Young that year. Now, the, the innings difference is pretty significant. Hauser, 142 innings, crossed 26 starts. Pete Vukovic, 30 starts and 223 innings. So don't want to just act like that's nothing. Uh, but Hauser, 6.6 Ks per nine, uh, much different era as far as the strikeouts go. But Pete Vukovic striking out just 4.2 batters per nine and walking 4.1 batters per nine. Uh, Hauser walked about four per nine, so pretty high up there. But relying on the ground balls, uh, despite the higher walk and lower strikeout numbers, just kind of a thought as I was going through uh, looking at Adrian Hauser's year uh, that I think we kind of gloss over Hauser's year and say, well, I, I, he was decent. Um, and he 
I would say that he wasn't always the most fun pitcher to watch. Sometimes he seemed uh, like he would lose it or he would get the ground ball, which is, of course, uh, a little bit less interesting and less commanding even uh, than the strikeout from Peralta or, or Woodruff or Burns. But he did an excellent job. I'm giving Hauser a B-plus for his work in the Brewers' rotation. Yeah, he, he was absolutely someone to count on, like you said, that, that complete game uh, shutout from Hauser. Uh, was a, a fun game to watch, and you, you, I think you summed it up well. He got a lot of ground balls, not as much of a fun pitcher to watch, but benefited as well from Colton Wong over at second, and a, a strong defense overall in the infield, which likely will continue next year as well. You think about Urias, Adames, and Wong, um, and then that first base position should bode well for Hauser again. I would go an A- minus with Hauser. Like, I know the underlying stats aren't there, but 3.22 ERA, uh, from a, a guy that you could absolutely count on, um, I think is is well worth that. Brewers' final starter, Brett Anderson, uh, had a much lesser role um, in the Brewers' season. Uh, as he I mentioned in his tweet, I forget what it was exactly, but essentially the Brewers' five good starters and whatever he is, um, I think summed it up a little bit for him this year. Um, had kind of an interesting role in and out of the rotation, making spot starts um, in typical... Uh, Brett Anderson fashion, of course, was on the injured list as well throughout the season. So what was your grade for Brett Anderson? I gave Anderson a C-. minus. He did okay. Uh, you weren't expecting him to be somebody who would throw 180 innings, somebody who would have a season where he had a you know a three three and a half ERA. Uh, but he did fine. I mean, he had a 4-2-2 ERA across 96 innings. Um, and he got ground balls, basically. Uh, now, Especially in comparison to the other starting pitchers, it's not like he um, he was that fun to watch, that interesting. Uh, but he was he, he was fine. Uh, I mean, I don't think the Brewers are going to bring him back, but it really it, it did surprise me that um, that he made 24 starts. It didn't seem like he made that many starts for the Brewers this year. Now he only averaged four innings a start, so um, so that is that is maybe partly why. But his ERA was right around league average still at 4.22. So it's not like Anderson was a liability by any means, uh, even if he wasn't as good as the other starts, starters. Um, but 96 innings, 4-2-2 ERA, a little bit unreliable. Sometimes had those blow-up outings. Uh, so I'm giving Anderson a C-. Like you said, expectations weren't super high. I would go with a C for Anderson. Um, just an okay season from him. Maybe his last time in a Brewers uniform. Uh, as we wrap up the Brewers starting rotation again, uh, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, Adrian Hauser, and Brett Anderson. I was looking back at 2018 and, and just sort of picked that year at random. Uh, of course, that was the year where rotation wasn't necessarily great. Um, that was Chassin, Anderson, Guerra, Suter, Miley, and Freddie Peralta, actually. Um, but I was just curious to look at what their ERAs were. Chassin was the number one guy in the rotation. His ERA was 3.5. If you look at Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, and Adrian Hauser, all had lower ERAs than Chassin. Uh, so a great year from the Brewers staff. Um, and I don't think that that's any new news, but just wanted to point out the fact that even a Adrian Hauser, who was essentially the Brewers' fifth starter, uh, you can make the case, um, had a lower ERA than every starter that the Brewers had back in 2018, which wasn't a terrible team either. So just wanted to highlight how good the rotation was for the Brewers. Any other final thoughts on the rotation or on any of that before we jump in to the bullpen? Uh, I mean, it was excellent. Uh, that, that's about all my all the thoughts that I have. And it'll be interesting to see if they go with the six-man rotation next year. Uh, but certainly you'd expect, barring a trade, that all five of those uh, first five that we mentioned will be in the rotation. Maybe they throw Ashby in the mix with a six-man rotation to start the year. Uh, we'll see about that. And Ethan Small potentially could be coming up. Unlikely we see Brett Anderson back. Uh, but great rotation, greatest in franchise history. And uh, certainly is more fun to talk about guys that actually had good years than uh, when we would have been uh, looking at uh, the, you know, the, I guess, pretty much any, any era of Brewer starting <laughs> pitchers. Essentially, that wraps it up uh, pretty well right there. So um, we'll just continue on the A train here with Josh Hader. Um, Hader, I gave an A+. Plus. I realized I said that Burns was the only A+, plus, but... Um, but I'd give Hader an A+. Plus. You could maybe make the case for an A because of uh, the slider he left over the plate against Freddie Freeman. Uh, but he had about as good of a year as you as you could have hoped for. Uh, he was just a one-inning closer this year. 
uh, which is certainly much different of a role than he's had in the past, especially before last year. But he had a 1.23 ERA, uh, had 34 saves. I think he only blew like two. Um, and, and it seemed like usually his, his losses only really came when he uh, came in in tie games. He was about as locked down of a closer as uh, as they come. It's probably the best closer in baseball. Uh, I, I'm giving Hader an A+. Yeah, I think there's no question that he is the best closer in baseball. Uh, 34 for 35 actually on the saves this year. Outstanding 97% uh, close rate for Hader this year. And 1.23 ERA pretty much sums it up. Uh, he just continues to be unhittable. And I, I, it'll be interesting to see if there's any talks about a potential trade over the offseason. I know it's been floated. I don't see the Brewers making that move. Doesn't seem very Stearns-like uh, to do so. And at the end of the day, he, like he would always say, they would consider any options that were uh, either open to any way to make the Brewers team better, which I don't see uh, including sending the, the best closer in baseball in Hader. So we should certainly enjoy and not take for granted the fact that the Brewers have essentially had, not essentially, the Brewers have had the best relief pitcher uh, since Josh Hader has arrived, which is pretty outstanding. You think about the teams that the Brewers have had over the last couple of years, the playoff runs they've had, a lot of that has been around their bullpen which has been centered around Josh Hader, whether in that swingman two-inning role or now as a traditional closer. So I think Brewers fans should not take for granted what an excellent season Josh Hader had once again this year um, from him. And assuming that he does get the award, it uh, looks like the Brewers could get their fourth straight NL Reliever of the Year award. Uh, Hader winning it in both 18 and 19, which I don't think he deserved it in 19, but we'll, we'll skip over that. Um, and then Williams winning it last year. Uh, Hater again, I would say likely this year. I don't really see anyone else that um, is that close to Hater in, in terms of NL relievers. Uh, so it could make it uh, four straight for the Brewers. Um, I guess their uh, their longest streak of uh, success that they've had. Uh, and an excellent bullpen has kind of been the anchor of uh, the recent run they've had over the last four years. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Devin Williams, the 2020 NL reliever of the year. High hopes from him this year. I wasn't sure what to see because, of course, we had that short season. He was the best reliever in baseball last year, of course, Rookie of the Year as well. Uh, Devin Williams, what was your grade for him this year? I gave Williams a B plus, which sounds kind of tough. And I, I honestly bumped him down from an A- minus to a B plus uh, for the, the late season incident, uh, punching a wall and, and missing time. Um, I, don't, I don't mean to be too tough on him, but at the same time, it did... Uh, it was very costly for the Brewers, and he was unavailable for the playoffs, and that was kind of his, his fault, and um, so I, I factored that in. But he still had a very good year. He did get hurt towards the, uh, I think, kind of in the midsummer, uh, but uh, for just a short time. But he did run off a, a really nice streak of very good outings. I think he went unscored upon in, like, 18 straight outings on the midsummer. Some excellent stuff after getting off to a little bit of a slow start. Uh, and he struck out 14 and a half batters per nine, excellent mark, two and a half ERA, and he had eight wins. So uh, ha I have to throw that one in. Uh, he was he was great. Uh, I'm giving him a B plus. Yeah, and that of course that that hand injury with it being self inflicted, but I is fair to downgrade as opposed to an injury that well, you know was out of his control. He really was good. I, I was concerned at the beginning of the year. Think about watching some of those games. He just clearly did not have any feel for his pitches, very much a feel pitcher. I was a little concerned seeing that going into the year. Was were we was 2020 just a, a, a um, you know, just a blip for him, or were we going to continue to see that? And I'm very happy to see uh, the season that he put up numbers-wise. And now I think we can expect him to be a solid guy at the back of the end of the bullpen for potentially the next couple of years for the Brewers, even maybe beyond Josh Hader. We could, I think, very clearly – um, and very real realistically see Williams taking over that closer role if and or when uh, Josh Hader no longer holds that position. So uh, we'll see how that continues to play out, but happy to see the numbers that Williams is able to put up this year as he continued to show success at the major league level. Uh, moving on to uh, the Brewers' number three reliever, uh, a lot of times that seventh inning guy with when Williams was healthy, Brad Boxberger, who... I believe was an, a non-roster invitee to spring training, um, probably just another average reliever that you might throw in the bullpen in a sixth inning, fifth inning, you're up big, losing the game, it's over. Uh, kind of a mop, maybe not quite a mop-up guy, 
Uh, but we certainly weren't expecting to see Brad Boxberger pitching in the eighth inning again in the NLDS. Uh, that's what we saw from him, which, of course, was partly related to Williams, but also the success that he had in 2021. He was very solid in the pen um, and was, like I said, very dependable. What was your grade for the Brewers' number three reliever? I gave Boxberger an A-, minus, partly because of the lack of expectations that he had entering the year. Uh, like you had mentioned, he came in as a non-roster invitee to spring training, earned his way on the team as maybe the last guy in the bullpen, and across 64 uh, innings, 3.34 ERA, which was very solid. He was very dependable. I know he had a couple bad outings at the end. I think he allowed a run in like four straight appearances, which really is not that bad. And I mean, if it weren't at the end of the year, it wouldn't really we wouldn't really be talking about it now. So you didn't really expect anything more than maybe a, a little below average middle reliever out of Brad Boxberger. And what you got was a solid seventh inning guy uh, who really had a nice year. Uh, I'm giving Brad Boxberger an A-. minus. Yeah, where do you see the Brewers? You think back to that NLDS series without Devin Williams. You, you, if, let's say Burke Boxberger's not there or you know not very dependable, and Suter's out as well. I mean, then you're talking about the Brewers really being down to Hayter, Strickland, Cousins, Ashby. Um, so he added a lot of depth was super valuable this year. In some ways, you could even put him as the unsung hero of the team, I think, um, because I think that he was very dependable, took up um, innings from Williams when he was hurt or ineffective, and I think may have been um, the unsung hero for the Brewers this year. Um, moving on to the Harvard graduate, Brent Suter, who led the league in, led the, led the, not led the league, led the team in wins, of course, with 12 wins. We were rooting for more like 15 from him. Um, uh, middle of the season when he was leading the team, but did end up actually leading the team in when wins and had overall a pretty decent year. Um, really, I think, solidified his role in the bullpen this year and continues to likely be in that spot going forward. What was your grade for the lefty Brent Suter? I'm giving Suter an A-. minus. I was going to give him like a B, uh, kind of around there just based off of what I saw of Suter because uh, he's he's not necessarily the the best pitcher to watch. Uh, it seems like he's always in trouble, uh, but he gets the job done. 307 ERA uh, across 73 and a third innings led all Brewers relievers in that category. Uh, the 12 wins, which I mean, it meant he was coming in in close games where they were either down a run or two or, or even tied. Uh, kind of their designated extra inning pitcher as well. So he was coming in in some tough spots and overall he delivered, even if he maybe isn't the, quite the conventional reliever who throws uh, upper 90s and uh, with a, the, the wipeout breaking ball. Uh, he still did a very good job with the Brewers. Uh, I was very pleased with the job that Suter had done uh, with the Brewers, and I'm giving him an A-. How about Hunter Strickland, who came into the season uh, not on the Brewers, of course, uh, Brewers acquiring him for cash, and turned out a pretty solid year. I, I was not expecting much of anything from him, and essentially uh, became... A guy who was pretty dependable and, of course, came in to that uh, big situation in the series against the Braves with the, the thinner bullpen. What was your grade for Hunter Strickland's 2021 season? Uh, this one, I, I did not want to go as high as I did, but I, I really, I guess I couldn't talk myself out of giving him an A-. minus. He had a 1.73 ERA, and for somebody who was purchased from the Angels after being designated for assignment, uh, there were really no expectations coming in for Strickland. Uh, it seemed like he threw all sliders during his 36 innings with the Brewers, but he was able to get out. See, I mean, pretty much anyone who has a 173 ERA across uh, at least that amount, that uh, that big of a sample size, you have to be pleased with the work that he did. Uh, and I was not happy when Council brought him in that game and when he threw a fastball uh, to allow the, I think it was either the tying or the go-ahead run, uh, tying, I think, uh, to Rosario. But uh, still in the regular season and across across the year as a whole, he did a very good job. Um, I I would prefer probably if the Brewers moved on. I don't think he'll have a, a whole lot of success going forward. Uh, but he did do a good job, I would say, with the Brewers, especially considering uh, what could have been expected out of Hunter Strickland. Yeah, one one point seven three ERA um, says a lot, and I agree. I'm not I'm not optimistic necessarily on on his future. Um, necessarily, I would be perfectly fine with the Brewers parting ways with him and taking another option. Perhaps it was, you know, 
got a good year of Strickland. Um, and yeah, overall, have to be pretty happy with the numbers that he put up as well. Uh, another guy who very much exceeded expectations, uh, Jake Cousins. What was your grade for him? Keeping along with the uh, string of A-minuses, going with the same grade for Cousins, A-minus. Uh, he came in and, I mean, like Strickland, had very low expectations. He had an ERA of around 2.7 after, I think, running off a, a streak of around 20 straight appearances where he was unscored upon to start his major league career. This coming after being in the Independent League American Association last year. Definitely unheralded, somebody who uh, was kind of an afterthought. I remember when, when the Brewers signed him, and I uh, was kind of like, ah, oh, just some depth in case they need uh, in case they need an extra bullpen arm. Ended up being one of their better middle relievers, and overall had a really nice season. He, he, like a number of the other relievers, slowed down a little bit in September, but still had a very good year. Uh, 270 ERA across 30 innings. I'm giving Jake Cousins an A-. minus. Could have never expected someone like him to have this much success this year. Yeah. Great year from Cousins, and I think has a much larger role going into the 2022 season. We'll see if he can continue to have that success that he saw. Uh, I think we may go off of our A-minus strings here. Daniel Norris. Yeah, I might be going uh, up a little bit for an A. Um, Daniel Norris with a, a 6.64 ERA across 20 and a third innings. Uh, going with an F for Daniel Norris, unfortunately. Uh, really just no aspect of the trade worked out. Heading into free agency this year, and... Uh, I don't expect the Brewers to bring him back. Um, was just not able to really ever get things going. And was starting to pitch a little bit better in Detroit, heading up towards the trade. I was a little bit skeptical of the trade. Still wasn't a fan uh, at the time or now of, of giving up a prospect like Reese Olsen for Norris, who had an ERA in, I think, the mid-fives for the year at the time. So it was kind of a bold trade. It, it reminded me of a smaller-scale Jonathan Scope trade where Scope was kind of starting to pick it up after a really slow start. And then once he got to the Brewers, never got things going. Um, Daniel Norris did get his one win and didn't have any losses because he was always pitching when they were either up by eight or down by eight. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he just did not have a successful Brewers tenure. And, oh, well, um, the Brewers will move on from him, and ho hopefully he finds success somewhere else. Yeah, I was very disappointed in that trade. I, I'm... I was fine bringing him in uh, mid-season like that, you know, if if he was a free agent, <laughs> um, or if we gave up, you know, very very little. There was a little bit of upside that could be seen from someone like him, but it's not like he was all of a sudden, you know, going from having a, a slow start to he's had two or three great starts in a row, or he's had five scoreless appearances in a row. I didn't see a lot of upside um, potential in that trade, and it certainly didn't pan out. Um, so I'm right there with you with an F for Daniel Norris. As we wrap out our bullpen, just two more guys. Um, Aaron Ashby, uh, of course, the young lefty. High expectations from him as one of the Brewers' better prospects going into the year. Of course, we saw that uh, poor start in, to start the year for him, but then eventually making that shift to the bullpen and being a pretty dependable guy. Uh, what was your grade for Aaron Ashby? We have Ashby a B. I think he did a reasonably good job. His 4.55 ERA is a little bit inflated. He had that terrible first start uh, against Chicago. Uh, and then coming back after that, he was he was very solid. I think he had one bad outing at the very end of the regular season and was a little bit shaky in the playoffs with the Brewers, especially game four. But overall, he did a, a nice job. He's someone who's coming up from the minor leagues. You don't really know what to expect out of a guy like that. And uh, he, his, his feeling independent pitching was a little bit more encouraging. Uh, three five eight, maybe paint a little bit of a, a better picture of his performance. Struck out more than a batter per inning, and really did a good job of limiting the walks overall. So I thought it was a very good first kind of taste of the big leagues for Aaron Ashby, uh, giving him a B for his performance with the Brewers. Yeah, twenty twenty one excites me for next year for him. Like you said, I think highlighting that three point five eight FIP from him. Um, and still a lot of growth potential that he has. His stuff is good. Very fun pitcher to watch. Um, and I'm excited to see what he does. I think uh, I certainly would be in favor of, of letting Brett Anderson walk and even giving Ashby the chance at a sixth uh, starting rotation spot, depending on his performance in the spring or how he looks. I would be very much open to giving him uh, as much opportunity as we can next year because I think he's got the potential to be uh, 
maybe a top top uh, end of the rotation guy, even middle of rotation guy, or a swing guy, a Josh Hader type in the bullpen. I think there's a lot of potential for, for Ashby, and the Brewers should be very excited about him going to 2022. Miguel Sanchez, our final uh, bullpen arm here today. What's your grade for him? Giving him a C plus, um, 4.15 ERA. Uh, he he was fine. I mean, he was kind of the uh, game is over type reliever. Uh, maybe if they were in a pinch, they needed to use someone like Sanchez to get outs if it was 10th, 11th inning or bullpen was taxed. Uh, so give him a C plus. He, there were, again, kind of like Cousins, not really expectations for him going in the year. He wasn't really on anybody's radar. And then he ended up having uh, some reasonable success, um, kind of similar to Yandel Gustave, who I know we, we didn't include him on here, but I would give him similar to Sanchez, uh, kind of C+. Plus. Those pitchers that kind of round out the staff. Yeah, fair amount of those arms that made appearances, but um, were not uh, in as enough appearances that really made sense to give him a grade. Like you said, Gustave, of course, John Axford, that one appearance, Sal Romano, Blaine Hardy, Ryan Weber, some of these names that we had to even take a double take that they even pitched this year. Phil Bickford, who, of course, was excellent with the Dodgers after his uh, one game with the Brewers. Zach Godley, Justin Topa, uh, Patrick Weigel, John Curtis, Jordan Zimmerman, uh, Colin Ray, Alec Benninger, Josh Lindblom, Angel Perdomo, Drew Rasmussen, Yandel Gustave, like we said, Eric Yardley, J.P. Feyerizen, Trevor Richards, Richards, and finally, Hobie Milner. Any of those names uh, especially point out or things that you would mention about, again, those incomplete bullpen arms that we saw this year? I thought Richards, in the limited time he had with Milwaukee, did a good job. He had a 19 and two-thirds innings with the Brewers, and it was pretty solid. He kind of was pitching in those 6th, 7th inning close games and did a nice job before they ended up dealing him to Toronto uh, for Rowdy Telez. Of course, a trade that certainly worked out for the Brewers, uh, but I thought he did a good job. Uh, kind of in a similar manner with uh, Fire Ryzen, who did a very good job in the earlier parts of the year. Yeah, and I'm still excited to see some of those arms as well. I think Justin Topa is a guy that certainly has been tough to watch the injuries, but there's still potential uh, from him. Of course, John Curtis Brewer is making that acquisition at the deadline, and then, of course, Tom needing Tommy John. So he'll effectively be out for likely the whole 2022 season, but we may see him in the future. And then, of course, Drew Rasmussen and J.P. Feyerizen in that big Willie Adames trade early in the year. Um, those guys were fun to watch in the pen, uh, both early this year as well as last year. So that rounds out our grades for the Brewers pitching staff. Much more upbeat conversation than the offense, I think. Uh, pretty easy when you've got Josh Hader and three of the best starting rotation uh, arms in all of baseball this year from the Brewers. Again, the best pitching staff, at least starting rotation, the Brewers have ever had. Um, and certainly a fun team to watch. So, uh, what is your team grade overall for the Brewers uh, starting pitching? Starting pitching, I'm going with an A+. Uh, really couldn't have dreamt of anything better for the Brewers uh, for this year. Pretty much everything went about as, as well as possible. And I I mean, I, I think we'd just be nitpicking a little bit if, if we gave them anything lower than an A+. That is what I would give the Brewers starting staff. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I, I think we would be really either ungrateful, ungrateful or, or nitpicking if we did give them an A or A- minus in what was a tremendous year. Uh, how about the bullpen, which was also good. Of course, we had Josh Hader, Williams, um, Cousins, some of those guys that we talked about. What was your grade for the bullpen? I give the bullpen a B plus. Not quite as dependable as the starting rotation, but still pretty solid. They were able to get the outs that they needed to with guys that were more unheralded, you wouldn't expect as much out of uh, a guy like Jake Cousins or Hunter Strickland, but they were able to find success in the Brewers' bullpen. So overall, I give them a B plus. Uh, maybe not as good as they were a few years ago, but still very good. I agree. They're certainly not the same bullpen of the uh, three-headed monster with Jeffers, Knabel, and Hader. I'd even go A- minus for the bullpen as a whole based off the expectations that you had. Because you think about some of the, the Brewers, of course, outside of their top relievers, but some of the seasons we got from Brad Boxberger, Hunter Strickland, Jake Cousins, Brent Suter, even Aaron Ashby, not high expectation guys. I think if you gave me the list of the Brewers, uh, excuse me, bullpen, uh, going into the year of Hader, Williams, Boxberger, Suter, Strickland, Cousins, Norris, Ashby, Sanchez, uh, that sounds like maybe an average bullpen uh, heavily carried by Hader and Williams. And to me, it was definitely above average bullpen. 
uh, at times was not always as uh, consistent as we would have hoped, but I'd even go as high as an A- minus for the Brewers' bullpen. Uh, how about the Brewers' offense as a whole? I'd give the offense a C-. Uh, they started off very poorly, and they were able to pick things up towards the uh, the summer months when uh, kind of coincided with the team playing better. Um, and Willie Adames and Rowdy Telez, who were maybe the two best offensive performers, uh, weren't even on the team at the start of the year. Uh, kind of interesting to see what, I mean, what would the offense have been like without those two guys? Um, so it still was below average. So I'd give them a C minus. Uh, they were, they weren't horrible, but I mean, they were, they were fine. Uh, but let's also not act like uh, it was a, a, a great offense. Yeah, no, I, I think that C minus C- sums it up just below average offense as a whole. If you look at it, they had times where the offense was solid and plenty of times where it was not so much. Um, so I, I think C minus is accurate and below average. How about the defense? We haven't talked about the defense much. Um, we talked about Colton Wong at second base, of course, who's excellent. Urias and Adames over on the left side of the infield. And then, of course, Lorenzo Cain um, chasing down balls all over the place in center field. What was the Brewers' grade for defense this year? I'd give them a B plus. They had overall a solid defensive unit. Narvaez uh, really looked increasingly good at catcher compared to last year and compared to even the earlier parts of the year. It seemed like he kind of improved as the year went on as well. I uh, thought he did a pretty good job back there. Uh, Wong, you had mentioned, both Wong and Jackie Bradley Jr. being a gold glove finalists, actually. Um, Bradley Jr. In, in center and Wong at second base. Um, so even though Jackie Bradley Jr. W- was absolutely terrible with the bat, uh, he still was a good defender, at least. Um, and that's, I mean, his offense doesn't matter when we're factoring in the defense here uh, for the grade. So I thought the defense was overall really good, especially coming off a year where uh, we had um, Avisael Garcia in center last year. And uh, I mean, that defense, Eric Selgard was playing some third base. Uh, Ryan Healy got some uh, some playing time. Uh, not so much in the offense was bad, but the defense was, was not good either. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. And uh, as we wrap things up here, we haven't talked much about the Brewers manager, Craig Council, or the rest of the coaching staff, um, besides, of course, the news that Annie Haynes will not be returning. But what would you give as a grade for Craig Council um, as the Brewers manager? I would give him an A. Uh, with the uh, the way that the Brewers were constructed going into the year, uh, to say that they would win 95 games would be very good, a very good result. Now, I'm not saying that is only due to Craig Council, but I thought he did a very good job of managing the pitching staff, keeping them fresh throughout the year and effective, uh, managing the bullpen well. Uh, and, uh, I mean, really knowing when to play the right guys, knowing when to um, plug in the right guys, pinch hitting Vogelbach down by three with the bases loaded, uh, those kind of decisions that, um, of course, it's easy to, to see when they when they work out in the end. Uh, but I think he did a, an excellent job with the Brewers, and I have to imagine he'll be in Milwaukee for a long time. Certainly, that's that's the hope. I'll, I'll give Council an A minus, docked uh, for the fact that he left Burns in for the eighth inning of that no hitter, but did not leave him in for the ninth. Not sure what uh, the, the the premise behind. Maybe he was just hoping for that four or five pitch inning from him in the eighth inning. But in my opinion, after seven. If he wasn't going to go nine, you might as well take him out, throw Williams for the eighth and Hayter for the ninth. Of course, didn't end up uh, really resulting in anything different, but uh, I will notch counsel for that one um, and uh, save us from going down that rabbit hole. But overall, uh, we talked about offense, C minus, defense, B plus, starting pitching, of course, that A plus. Bullpen, you had them as a B plus, and Craig Council, you graded an A. Overall, as a Brewers team, 2021 season. Of course, certainly fell short in the playoffs as far as expectations go. But what would you be? What would your overall grade be for the Brewers' 2021 season? I would give them an A. I thought they did a, a really good job overall. Uh, couldn't have really expected that much more than 95 wins, especially when you look at where they were at before the year. Uh, made those excellent trades, adding both Adamas and Rowdy Telez. Even Eduardo Escobar helped out a little bit. Um, and, and of course, with those additions taken into account. Uh, they still overperformed pretty much any projection system and really any expectations that we could have had for the Brewers this year. Um, I would give the Brewers an A overall uh, for their work this year, even with the early postseason exit. Yeah, it's a, a higher grade than I would certainly give them. I think if I had to break down 
the grade for them in the regular season, I'd probably go A+, because like you said, 96 wins from a team that was expected to be in, in mid to high up, uh, mid to high 80s, um, certainly exceeded expectations significantly in the regular season, but probably go with more like a C- to D+, in the playoffs, of course, leaving early in the playoffs. I would settle for an A- to a B+, from them. Uh, I understand that the, the numbers were good. The rotation was outstanding. Overall, was a very, very good year for the Brewers. At the end of the day, the early exit in the round one of the MLB playoffs um, would lead me to give them that A- or B+. So there we go. There's our player grades, team grades for the Brewers season. Hopefully it was a little bit less depressing than Tom Hodricourt. Um, But we've got you covered there for the team grades. And before we head out today, um, I want to take a look at what the Brewers awards were for individuals just your classic MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and Newcomer of the Year. I think David and I both have some similarities uh, between uh, some of our picks here, um, probably some obvious ones that you've already thought of as well. Uh, but David, as we start here, who is your MVP for the Brewers this year? Got to go with Willie Adames. Uh, he revitalized the Brewers uh, with the way that he came in and just completely turned around their, uh, their offense. Uh, coming in in mid-May and then... Not only was he the best position player on the Brewers uh, throughout throughout the course of the year, um, he totally changed the dynamic. They were uh, of the team. They were around 500 when he came, and immediately went off a big run. You could tell the clubhouse just seemed a little bit different, or the the, the players in the dugout, the chemistry. And I thought that even though maybe the numbers might say uh, one of their their stud arms might be more valuable on paper. I think the, the the things that Adamas did for this ball club uh, would kind of lend himself to being the most valuable player. Yeah, I'm going to go with one of those stud arms in Corbin Burns, uh, a, a, a MVP, excuse me, a Cy Young candidate in all of baseball. Like you said, one of the top seasons we've seen from a starting pitcher, 2.43 ERA across 167 innings, uh, that 1.63 FIP, 12.6 strikeouts per nine. He was everything the Brewers could have hoped for in their ace, a true ace, and he is my pick for Brewers' most valuable player. Going into Cy Young, uh, I think this one is uh, pretty clear. I just gave my case for Corbin Burns as a Cy Young. Anything you would add, David, for your pick for the Cy Young? Not really. I mean, I don't think it's really up for much debate, even though uh, Woodruff was excellent and would have won the Cy Young, uh, the Brewers' Cy Young, in pretty much any other year. Uh, but Corbin Burns was just a little bit better, and uh, he he pretty much outpaced Woodruff in everything except for innings. So uh, the innings gap wasn't huge. So with that in mind, I think the dominance that Burns had uh, got to go with Corbin Burns. Agreed, agreed. And here's a pretty easy one: newcomer of the year. Um, well, I, I, I you gave the case for Burns for MVP and Cy Young, giving the case for Adamus for MVP. Kind of a lock that he would be the newcomer of the year. Uh, coming in midseason, got to go with uh, Willie Adamas. Yeah, I, I agree, of course, Adamas there. A uh, couple of newcomers throughout the season from the Brewers. I think about Eduardo Escobar, Hunter Strickland, Daniel Norris as well. Um, if you had to pick somebody besides Adamas, would there be anyone else that specifically struck out, stuck out to you uh, who exceeded expectations this year as a newcomer? Uh, I would I would actually probably go with Rowdy Tellez. Uh, I know the volume of his, his work wasn't quite as large as some of the other guys, uh, but he was a very solid hitter, uh, somebody that will factor in, uh, factor into the Brewers' future plans at first base and uh, potentially adding a DH uh, for next year. So, uh, I thought I thought Rowdy did a, a really good job with the Brewers, and of course had those two big home runs in the playoffs as well. Um, and then our last award, uh, no no manager of the year uh, for us here, uh, but we're going with rookie of the year as our last award. Uh, who do you have for Rookie of the Year, Peter? Yeah, I think I'd have to go with Jake Cousins. Uh, I think we probably are both going that route based on uh, our conversation and grades given out to the bullpen. But thought I'd also mention the pretty strong year we saw from Aaron Ashby. Uh, like you said, he had that rough start. So the 4.55 ERA from him is deceiving. Uh, 31 innings from him, and like you said, his taste of the big leagues this year. 1.17 whip, 3.58 FIP. Uh, so there's a lot to like from Ashby, of course, young lefty, like I said, good stuff, fun to watch. Um, and who knows what we'll we'll see from him, but I have high hopes from Aaron Ashby. Um, and what was your pick for Rookie of the Year? Got to go with Jake Cousins as well. 
Um, I, I thought even though Ashby did have a nice showing later in the year, um, he Cousins just had clearly the better ERA. Uh, the other numbers were a little bit better, I would say. It was part of the, the team for a little bit longer than Ashby was. So uh, for those reasons, I, I would go with Cousins. Although I do want to kind of touch on Tyrone Taylor, who had a nice year as well. Uh, he was a little bit streaky, but somebody that was kind of an afterthought in the Brewers' plans and has kind of put him put himself back on the organizational depth chart. Uh, could be looking at uh, potentially a, a backup outfield spot uh, regularly with the Brewers next year. Certainly outplayed Jackie Bradley Jr., um, who could be on the roster next year still, uh, but could get some more playing time or maybe even as a, a trade piece, uh, bring back a bullpen arm or something along those lines uh, with Tyrone Taylor. Yeah, you mentioned Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, we've, we've mentioned his option that likely he will exercise to return to the Brewers uh, for better or for worse. Uh, Avisail Garcia also with an option and those uh, requiring to be done soon after the World Series ends where, like David said, recording this, while Game 5 is happening, Braves now up 3 nothing. I believe it's the 5th or 6th inning as we speak right now. Uh, just briefly, Garcia and Jackie Bradley Jr. options, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, Jackie Bradley Jr. looks like he'll pick up the option. It is a $9.5 million player option, which is far less than he'll receive on the open market should he elect free agency. Uh, but it does come with a $6.5 million buyout, actually, uh, which is kind of the Brewers' method of spreading out the money a little bit because they didn't want to necessarily pay them up, pay uh, both Bradley Jr. And, and also Colton Wong, some of the contracts they had last year uh, up front as much because of the um, lower COVID-related financial issues they were having. So the difference is only $3 million, actually. It, was, it, it seemed like it was likely that Bradley was just going to uh, decline the option when he signed it. Uh, but looking like he might pick that up now uh, with with a uh, $9.5 million on the table. Um, and I, I don't know if he'd get $3 million on the open market after the year he had, but it, it certainly is um, is possible that he um, that he declines it. But I'd say it's likely that he, he most likely picks it up. Obviously, Garcia is a, a player option as well. $12 million, $2 million buyout if he opts out of uh, the contract. Garcia, I would guess, will decline it. Seems like someone who maybe could get three years, 36, something along those lines. I'd be surprised if he got more than around $12 million per year. But at the same time, uh, I, I would think he, he probably will want a multi-year deal uh, somewhere where he can go where uh, he can have a little bit more security. So I would guess that Garcia probably will decline his player option. It's possible we could see Garcia back still. Uh, re-sign next year uh, but I would say the the likely outcomes are that Jackie Bradley Jr. will exercise his player option and obviously Garcia will not and will choose to elect free agency and I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing for the Brewers of course it's a downgrade to lose Garcia their most consistent offensive player I think um, outside of Adames um, but if you think about the Brewers outfield you still have depth as well in of course Yelich, Kane, uh, Taylor as well um, so I don't think it's the end of course Jackie Bradley Jr. So I don't think it's necessarily the worst uh, thing if the Brewers do leave Garcia uh, or if he decides to leave. It gives them also more flexibility in the cap space, which we will break down next episode. We've got all sorts of uh, things to take a look at as far as guaranteed contracts. Uh, David mentioned the player options, arbitration, which is a lot of players uh, who are arbitration eligible, what we can expect to see from some of those, some of those guys, including Burns Woodruff. Hater, Hauser, Lauer, just to name a few. Uh, and then the fact that the Brewers are still pay paying Ryan Braun, it's not Bobby Bonilla uh, type, of course, Braun just leaving, but still owing Braun some money next year. And just take a look at what our estimates for the payroll. So if you're interested in um, taking a look at the Brewers front office strategy and payroll, all those things, highly recommend checking out next week's podcast uh, where we will be answering, you know, where do the Brewers go from here? Where should they be targeting improvements? And then again, how much money do the Brewers really have to spend with a lot of the locks already in place uh, and guys who are arbitration eligible? So as we finish up today's podcast, David, any final thoughts that you have uh, for today? I just want to go over the trivia question, see if you have an answer. Uh, once again, how many pitchers have elapsed more time between their first and last Brewers appearances than the great John Axford, who wrapped up his Brewers career this year 
Uh, so how, how many Brewers pitchers do you think have had a longer time between their uh, Brewers debut and their, their Brewers finale? I'm going to go with four. Uh, there's actually only one, and that would be Brewers all-time wins leader Jim Slayton, who debuted in April of 71 and made his final Brewers appearance in September of 83. Axford's debut came in uh, September of 09. So he has been, uh, or maybe not has been, but was with the ball club a while ago, uh, teammates with Craig Council for a couple of years there, and then ended up coming back for just one appearance, a third of an inning, actually. I, I thought it was two-thirds of an inning uh, when I was speaking earlier. Uh, but it's still a nice story that he was able to come back, and it looks like he probably, his career is done. Um, but he did get his, like, 160000 or something from his prorated salary, uh, for the, the third of an inning by going on the, the major league injured list. Uh, so John Axford, uh, kind of today's trivia question relating to him, uh, one of the, the, the best Brewers relievers of all time. Absolutely. And that will wrap up today's podcast again. Uh, excited for next week's podcast where we'll be breaking down where the Brewers go from here as they enter uh, really fully into the 2021 to 2022 offseason. We'll have you covered here. And as always... Go Brewers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there. And interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.